Good morning and welcome back. My name is Andy. Always great to be here with you uh, worshiping online. We're going to get straight into the text in just a moment. We're in a series called The Bible. I know a very original title, uh, but we are working hard to raise your esteem of Scripture. Uh, and we have been over the past several weeks. You can catch any of the previous messages uh, if you'd like. But before we read from the Bible today, let me ask you a question. When is the last time something painful produced something good in your life? When did pain produce goodness? It's not a question you think about a whole lot. In fact, even right now, you might be scratching your head, but if you're going through a difficult time, I can promise you, your gut reaction is to say never, right? You don't like how you feel in the moment. Perspective is difficult to have. But if you look back at your life, many of you who are watching, even uh, teenagers, even kids, if you're watching with mom and dad right now, uh, you can reflect and see how you, you, you've learned some things going through hard times, right? There's, there's been benefit. You wouldn't, wish it, you wouldn't wish to go through it again, but on the other side of it, you can acknowledge that you gained some things. You grew. Maybe you matured. So pain, the hardship, the difficulty, ended up producing something good. When's the last time pain produced goodness in your life? When I was a freshman in high school, I used to love, I, I loved to rollerblade. It was my jam, okay? Loved rollerblading. It was the thing. So... There was a big hill behind my middle school, and I decided to tackle it on the rollerblades. And, you know, it was just, it was an insanely steep hill, and a car was coming around the corner, and we had a collision. I have no memory of this. This has purely been retold to me. But I broke my arm in two places, my left arm, and had a, a big fat scar still under my chin from a 27-inch gash that took place. Makes for an interesting shave, even today. Um, <laughs> so I got beat up pretty good in this moment. The driver didn't even stop. Driver just kept going. Okay. I was found having drugged myself out of the trees with rollerblades on. That had to have been a real wonderful image. If you've ever seen anybody try to like walk or crawl in rollerblades, it's laughable. Okay. So I don't know what it looked like. I don't know how I looked because like I said, I have no memory of it, but I got picked up, taken to the hospital and the doctors went straight to work doing what? Setting the bones in my arm. If you've ever broken a bone and you've had it set, it's ridiculously painful. Even with painkillers and all the things, it hurts. Okay. And yet in order for my arm to function right, in order for healing to come, in order to continue growing properly. You know what needed to happen? I needed to have the bones set. And that was a painful thing that produced something good. Jesus is referred to in the New Testament at times as the great physician, the one who sets things in their proper place. And we look at that and we we're thankful for it. Right Again, perspective is everything. But in the moment when you're having a crooked path made straight, when you're having something broken, made, made right, whole, fixed, healed, oftentimes it's very painful. And yet, in these painful moments, something good is 
produced. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6, the scriptures say this. And, and again, this has to do with pain being produced in our life. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. I don't like reading this verse. I don't like the context here. I love the fact that at the beginning of Hebrews 12, I am referred to as a child of God. God is my loving, heavenly Father. But you know what a loving Father does? A loving Father disciplines his children, his sons and daughters. And that means, like any healthy and good discipline, that there is a measure of pain that my Father, my Heavenly Father, is willing to bring to me in order to make sure my life is moving in the right direction. I know this as a literal dad who is trying to, to have children grow up who love God and are functioning adults in this world. And you know what they don't like? Correction of any kind. No one does. It's painful. Think about the conversation with a family member, right? You don't want to have it. Or it's, it's awkward, you know, the, 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 the conversation, the mirror kind of holding moment of somebody that you love. But you've got to have the conversation because they just don't see what they're doing or how, what they're saying is hurting other people in the family. They don't see it. It's hard. It's painful. Think about the feedback from a team member, you know, that you work with. No one, no one just, we say we like feedback right? And we need feedback, but very few of us actually love it. No one likes to be told you didn't do a very good job here. It's not like, hey, lay it on me, right? We, we don't typically enjoy that even though it makes us better. We need it. And last of all, most importantly, we don't like it when our Heavenly Father brings correction to us. In fact, more often than not, because God doesn't appear to us in the flesh, we do everything we can to ignore it and to sidestep it and to dodge it. Uh, I shared a story when I was in high school, when I was even younger than that, right? There was a Nintendo game, original Nintendo, called Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. There was a game that we used to play, right? I wish I had the music to cue up for you right now because it brings all the nostalgia chills, right? Mike Tyson's punch out. You're this little dude. You're this little boxer named Lil Mac, right? And you have all these boxers that are gigantic and they're throwing just gigantic haymaker lefts and rights and knock down this and knock down that. It's, it was such a hard game, okay? But the truth of the matter is this, the only way to progress through the game and get to Mike Tyson is if you, if you memorized when to dodge. You had to know when to dodge left and when to dodge right, when to put up your gloves. Like You had to memorize all of it, and if you got it wrong, especially in the higher levels of the game, you were done, okay? 
toast. Soda Popinski, he was like impossible. That's right. Just threw that out there for you. We laugh about the video game, and the truth is many of us have learned to dodge in the same way. And I'm not suggesting that your relationship with God is like him boxing you, right? And just giving you a royal beatdown. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I am suggesting is that many of us have learned how to dodge, right? As best as we possibly can to never have to deal with any kind of confrontation, any kind of difficulty, or any kind of pain. And I'm here to tell you today that the Word of God, it brings comfort, it brings peace, it brings joy. God uses it uh, to bring instruction to you, to teach you about Jesus. I mean, ultimately, the Word points us to Christ, but make no mistake about it. The Scriptures are also designed to correct you. We have the Bible and God is his word to you and to me and it has intentionality. Part of that intent is to correct you and to me. Correct you and me, excuse me. We need it. The natural drift of my heart is not uh, towards towards righteousness. It's not towards the things of God. It's to build my own kingdom, right? It's, it's, it's natural. Look, watch a child, right? You don't have to teach them anything for them to get the sense that the world revolves around them. There is some, there is, that is the sinful tendency of our heart. And it doesn't change. Even after you've put your faith in Jesus, there is an orbit oftentimes that just resists the spirit of God inside of you. You want what you want. You want to do what you want, when you want, how you want, the way you want. But the word of God reminds us what is true. Instructs us and corrects us. The longer you avoid God's correction in your life, the longer you avoid God's best in your life. I want you to hear that today. In the same way that we read Hebrews 12, you have a heavenly father, a loving father. In the same way that I love my children, the reason that I instruct them and correct them is because I love them and I want what is best for them. And when God corrects us through the word, he's not Zeus on Mount Olympus throwing down lightning bolts, you know, or the weird kid at the end of the street with the magnifying lens roasting ants, right, to just see what happens, right? No, that's not God. No, he's a loving heavenly father moving in your life. And that means he's going to bring correction. And correction inherently means that there's going to be pain. When we talk about Christianity culturally in the West, uh, many times we uh, delete anything that would have pain uh, associated with it. You've heard the prosperity gospel. If, if you've grown up going to church, let me rephrase that. You may have heard that verbiage before, but it's basically this idea that Christians should more or less only have great, amazing things happen to them. Uh, the only problem with that is that it's completely contradictory to the entire Bible. From cover to cover, we see God correcting his people, right? We see correction and instruction coming to Adam and Eve, to Moses, to Noah, 
right? We see correction coming to Abraham and Sarah, right? Where, the, where God himself is moving in such a way, it's painful. And yet God loves them and he's using them. We see, we see correction coming, right, to the disciples. Lord knows we see Jesus <laughs> correcting the disciples, the religious elite. And the measure of fruitfulness and success and life with God depends very much on how we respond to God correcting our hearts, whether we'll have humility, whether we'll respond to it. The longer you avoid God's correction in your life, the longer you avoid God's best in your life. If you're going to have true and real relationship with God, I have news for you today. He's going to use pain to shape you. Just like when you look back at your life and you're like, oh man, this produced this, 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 and this. That's how God works. And I would love to tell you that the greatest measure of growth comes in different ways, but the truth is most people describe their growth in God coming oftentimes through the difficult moments, the painful ones, where God is setting the bones in their arm properly. Look at this in 2 Timothy 3.16. Timothy is being written to by Paul, the apostle. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. That's what the Bible is for. That's why you have scripture. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Love that. Kind of. I love some of those words, the describing words. I don't like the fact that it corrects me and teaches me where I'm wrong. As a perfectionist, I want to do everything I can to get everything right. But I can't. And I need the word. I need the Bible. Proverbs 14, 12, the, the book of wisdom. Uh, and this is a verse that's, that is repeated multiple times in Scripture, that there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. In other words, we're, there's a way and a direction that we want to go, and it seems right. Culturally speaking, there, we, there are values that we embrace. We're like, this is the way to go. This is how to live. This is how you build your life. This is what's true. And the reality is it's not what's true and it's not what's right. And the scriptures remind us of these truths. And if you want to avoid the path that leads to brokenness and pain and hurt and ultimately spiritual death, then we need the word of God to direct our steps. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 7. He says that you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. And with that, happy Thanksgiving weekend and Merry Christmas, everybody. Right? This isn't your typical Thanksgiving message. And yet, if there's ever something to be thankful for, it's that you have a Heavenly Father who cares enough about you 
to give you his word that you may know Jesus and live your life in such a way that honors him. But that is also, frankly, just beneficial to you. That you can have a healthy, functioning life. That you can be a blessing to the people around you. I love that this, what the scriptures teach us. They, they bring strength. They bring wisdom. But they also bring correction. Watch this. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to hit a couple verses pretty fast right here. Exodus 20. Kids, if you're watching, it's the first commandment. And what is that commandment? Honor your mother and your father. Honor your folks. But we don't want to honor our mother and our fathers. But teens, you know, I mean, if you're sitting watching right now, your tendency is to not want, you don't want to honor mom and dad. In fact, many times you want to give a little bit of lip. You want to roll your eyes. You want to, you want to have a little attitude. And one of the best things that you will ever grasp at a young age is learning how to honor your mother and your father. To respect them. To respect the authority that God has given them. As, though, as the two people who brought you into this world. And who are caregivers for you. It doesn't matter whether you agree it doesn't ultimately matter what you think of their advice or what they're asking in the moment. The commandment is to honor your mother and your father. And that doesn't change when you become 35, 45, 55. The commandment still rings true to honor your mother and to honor your father. To give them the respect that they are due. That is a hard truth. And yet it is amazing when we do so, the blessing that comes in your life by learning that hard and sometimes painful truth. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. James says it like this. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's James 3.17 and Ephesians 4.32. Uh, the past two years, this has been instruction, and not just instruction, this has been correction that I have experienced even in my own life from the Lord. So full transparency, I, I have to work at just having a natural disposition of being gentle, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I have to work hard at that. And there have been times where I haven't been, right? And, and uh, you know, you want to pop or, or you, you know, you're, you're, maybe your natural tendency. And I don't, I don't mean like you have rage in your heart. I just mean that the, the, the countenance and the fruit of the Spirit leading with gentleness wasn't always present. I've had to work at it, and I've felt the Holy Spirit as I'm reading the Bible, showing me a picture of what I'm not. And I didn't like that. Literally, the very first recorded message we did during the pandemic, right? We, we didn't know what we were doing. I was, by, I was literally in my living room by myself with a camera, right? I set it up. 
I hit record, I walked in front of the camera, I waited for it to autofocus, we sent the kids out with Amy, they're literally driving around like the neighborhood getting Chick-fil-A while I'm trying to record a sermon. And every time, I kid you not, every time that I hit record, a bird kept coming to the window that was like two feet from me and singing the greatest song of its life. Okay, it was the loudest chirping bird and it would not stop. And it happened every time I hit record. And so I would stop, I'd walk outside, I'd shoo it away, I'd come back in, I'd hit record. And it just kept happening. And finally, the incredible Hulk inside of me came out. And I literally opened the back door of my deck, out onto my deck, and I started yelling at this dumb bird and I picked up firewood and I was throwing it at the bird and yelling, if my neighbors had seen me and I'd been like, oh, hey, don't, don't mind me, I'm just a pastor trying to record the message while I'm, I'm yelling at this bird and throwing firewood at it. And in that moment, I felt conviction, but also this verse in particular from James, it came to my mind. I was too easily angered. There wasn't a, a spirit of gentleness. I was tense. I, there wasn't a gentleness about me. And there have been times where even just interacting with people, uh, you know, it can come out harsh. And I don't mean to, right? But this is how the word works in our life. If you are willing to read it, and if you are willing to read it and actually do what it is, says God will use pain to shape you. And he uses the scriptures to do it. Jesus said in Matthew 25, as he's talking about lust, he says that I say to you that everyone who looks at a man or a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her or him in his heart, in their heart. What do we do with that? In a porn-saturated culture. See, we love to take the Bible. We love to have our worship services in church and the music and all the things and to feel really good. But the rubber meets the road when God brings correction and you have to ultimately decide what you're going to do with it. Is he really going to be your heavenly father who is guiding your steps? Are you going to obey and listen to him? Or are you going to continue doing what you want to do? Will you honor your mother and father? Will you look at the holy, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The gifts of the Spirit, the fruits, and say, man, I don't have enough of this. God, I'm going to work at that. Not work to get saved. Not work to be accepted as a son or a daughter. But there is work that has to be put in, in applying this word to become the son and daughter. The fullest measure of it that God intends in your life. And when Jesus is talking about lust, there should be something inside of all of us that's like, ugh, I got to deal with that. That's painful. The way I look at people and treat people and use people. What happens on the computer? What happens on Netflix and Amazon and every other streaming platform? Proverbs eleven twenty four. one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. What's the writer of Proverbs talking about? He's talking about generosity. 
Jesus says that take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. Are you going to let the word of God correct you as it pertains to how you manage money, how you steward what God's put in your life? Or are you going to continue to hide behind all of the excuses and justifications that we provide for not being generous? And your eyes might be rolling back in your head that it comes down to this. Is it, is God's word true? Is it literally, is it, is it the voice of our heavenly father speaking to us and guiding our steps and giving us a foundation for how to live, how to know Jesus? Because if it is, then your job is to reorient your life based on the instruction the comfort, the hope, the peace, and the correction that comes from God's word. Hebrews 13, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Whoa, heavy words. Talking about purity, which is from beginning to end in the Bible. But we've become a culture and even a church where we will let the Bible speak to us here, 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 and here, but not here. I won't receive correction here. The two areas I see as a pastor, more often than not, where we just create an insulated bubble is money and sex. And so consequently, I'll give when I want or how I want. I'll choose to be generous if I want to rather than understanding that God's commanded you as a Christian to be generous. He's commanded it of you. It's not a suggestion and it isn't advice. You are called as a representative of Jesus Christ to be radically generous. The other thing, though, that that I see is this idea of sex, where where somehow God can speak to everything but but sex and sexuality. And so what we want and how we feel in any given moment trumps what the Word of God says. And when we read the Bible, many times what happens is our situations, we allow our situation to correct the Word rather than letting the Word correct our situation. And so what we do is we say to ourselves, well, I don't really like what that has to say. This is just not really relevant anymore. This doesn't apply anymore. It's old. It doesn't make sense. This doesn't really have bearing on my current context. It certainly can't. To not have sex before I'm married. What? That doesn't make sense. Surely God doesn't intend that anymore. Surprise, he does. And that's what the word of God teaches. And this is the foundation that we get to build upon to represent Christ to the world that you and I are called to be pure, holy, set apart. I've just, I've just gone down the line with five things, basic things that we get reading the scriptures. Ultimately, the Bible points us to relationship with Jesus want you to hear that. Don't walk away from this message ashamed or feeling beat up. No, 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 no. But also, let's not mince words. God is a heavenly father. He's a loving father and a good dad. And any good dad knows how to correct his children. 
And that's what God will do through his word to us. He corrects and disciplines those he loves. So what do we do in this moment? We've got to read the Bible. I mean, the big idea has been kind of the same thing for the past five weeks. Stop walking past that giant Bible that's sitting on your bookshelf, right? Open it up and begin to read it. Or if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't even own a Bible. That's a common thing. We have lots of teenagers in our house each week. Most of them don't own a Bible uh, anymore. Uh, they didn't grow up with one. And so we're teaching them how to download it on phones and iPads. Um, and so we'll, we'll even create a link in the, in the comment section. If you're not sure how to download or what app to use, uh, we'll put it in the, in the comments even right now for you to download the app so that you have it on your device. Begin to read it. And I always tell people, start in the book of Mark because it's only 16 chapters. At the end of the day, start where you want and just begin to read it. And yes, you're going to have questions. Bring them. Bring them here. Bring them online. Bring them in person. Bring them to a life group. But get hungry to grow and become more like Jesus. Yes, becoming more like him means inherently there's going to be some pain. Like any kind of pain you get when you go to the gym and work out. It's hard. You don't like it. But that's what is required in order for us to grow and mature and become stronger. Pain is a good thing if it comes from our Heavenly Father. I'll leave you with this in James chapter 1, verse 22. I already referenced it one time. It'll be our closing verse today. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Let, let God renew your mind let him shape how you think. Let him shape your relationships. Let him bring fresh humility to you. Let him impart uh, fruits of the spirit that you're lacking. Let him bring you to places where you need to ask for forgiveness and you, you need to humble yourself and become the man or woman, son and daughter that God has destined you to become. Don't just read it. Don't just know it. Don't just listen to it. Do it. Father, I thank you for this time today. Time in your word. Lord, your, your holy word, the word that's set apart. It's not like any other book. God, it brings encouragement to us. It brings hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who died for the sins of the world, who died for our sins, my sins, that we might have a, a, a slate wiped clean. God, that the very thing that separates us from a wonderful, true, perfect, holy God, our heavenly father, it's our sin. And Jesus, you dealt with it on the cross and we are eternally grateful and thankful today. But God, we also know that we, that, that, that isn't the end of things. It's not just a one-stop shop where somehow we say the right words and we're in. God, we, we know that there is a lifetime of growth and becoming more like you, a process of sanctification. 
And so God, today we're asking by the power of your scriptures and by your word that you would shape us, that you renew our minds, that we'd have a fresh foundation that we're building upon. Help us to be men and women who hunger to get into this Bible and to read it and to do it, to live it out. God, help us today. We love you and we worship you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Get in the Bible and read it and do it. We'll be right back uh, next week. We start a brand new series we're excited about called Ebenezer. I look forward to worship with you and we'll see you then.